Welcome to Leading Simple with Rusty George. Our goal is to make following Jesus and leading others a bit more simple. Here's your host, Rusty George. Hey there, thanks for listening to Leading Simple, helping the overwhelmed. I'm Rusty George, and I can't wait for you to hear our conversation today with my good buddy, Dave Ferguson. Dave is an incredible pastor and author. He's a leader of a great organization called New Thing. He's also an award-winning author and the lead pastor at Chicago's Community Christian Church, a multi-site missional community considered to be one of the most influential churches in America. He's written a new book entitled Bless, which helps us understand how to make an impact in our neighborhoods. And I'm telling you, anybody can do this. We are actually teaching through this right now at our locations here in Southern California and on reallifechurch.org worldwide. Love for you to be part of our online campus. And you can hear us talk more in depth on each of these particular topics. But he's going to drill down on this today. Today, our episode is sponsored by our good friends at Growmentum. Growmentum helps church leaders work not just in the church, but on the church. And if you've ever asked questions like, I'm leading them, but who's leading me? How do I get more engagement and involvement from our attenders? What things should I be measuring and evaluating to thrive? Growmentum can help. So we're going to link to them in our show notes. Reach out to them. They help us every single month at our church. The guys and gals at Growmentum are fantastic. So check them out and find out more ways to help your church. Well, today we're going to jump into our conversation with Dave Ferguson. We love him, even though he's a Chicago White Sox fan, uh, but he has great stuff for us about how we can make an impact in our neighborhoods in very, very simple ways. Take a listen to this. Well, Dave, welcome to the podcast. We're really glad to have you on. You don't know this, but you're one of my personal heroes for a variety of reasons because of your work for the kingdom. But uh, I've really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit over the last few years. But one of the reasons I admire you so much is because you work with your brother. Uh, not everybody can work with a family member, uh, but you and your brother have been doing church work together for a long time. Would you tell our listeners, first of all, a little bit as to who you are, where you live, and then how you and your brother have worked together and have found a way to coexist? <laughs> sure. Uh, yes, I am a lead pastor of the church in Chicago, uh, Community Christian Church. And then I also oversee, uh, I'm the lead visionary for New Thing, a, a global church planning network, and I'm uh, the president of the Exponential Conference. So it's really a conference that's focused on multiplication and church planning. But John and I, yeah, we planted the church together over 30 years ago, and uh, we are still doing it. So it's crazy. So I wonder, I mean, you guys spend that much time together do you still do holidays together or do you hang out outside the office or is that enough time um we did we didn't do christmas together this year but that was COVID's fault but yeah i mean yeah, it's the whole thing and yeah i mean i mean there's a i mean there's a real friendship there they're beyond even being brothers but it kind of works because there's definitely things where i mean he calls me on it or I got his back on certain things. Um, and we probably are able to fight in a different way, like brothers do, but still be brothers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Somehow we've made it work. So for everybody out there who's a leader and they are working with um, you know, a family member, have you guys stumbled into a few 
rules of engagement that you've uh, practiced that have kind of worked for you all? One of the things that we have done in the last, um, uh, last, uh, probably last four or five years is because we're both, we started the church together. So we are founding pastors. I'm the lead pastor, but we both founded the place. And so both, I think everybody, myself, John, our lead team all felt like he ought to have a little more ownership than the rest. We actually instituted something called uh, what we call a two of six. Okay. So in our lead team, there's six of us, but if John and I are on the same page, it kind of like that vetoes everything. Okay. Like, but so I can't really do that on my own and he can't obviously do it on his own, but if the two of us are together, go like, no, then we'll just trust that's if the two of you are on the same page, you guys have been doing this long enough. If that's what we think, the, you guys think the right direction, then I will assume that's what God wants. We're going for it. So we do have, that's something that's been kind of new, two of six, which I think has been good for us. And, and even, gosh, last week I did, I went off and did something all on my own, you know, and he just texts me, two of six, question mark? <laughs> <laughs> As only a brother can do. Right, exactly. So, I had, you know, so we had a little fight there and I had to apologize because I was being too defensive. Mm, that's good. Okay. So you mentioned that you're in uh, Chicago, a White Sox fan, I believe, which Absolutely. Man, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, Dude, are you a baseball fan? I am. I grew up in Kansas, so that makes me a Royals fan. So every 30 years, we do something worth celebrating. Then there we go. <clears throat> yeah. Because I'm a good team this year. Well, we keep inching back towards uh, relevancy, but uh, we, we, had, uh, we had a good run a few years ago, which was fun. But yeah, the White Sox have always been kind of a, a bit of a nemesis for us. And uh, they're kind of the lesser known team up there in Chicago. Everybody's you know, everybody loves the Cubs, but uh, you forget about the White Sox. Well, we're about we're about to change that this year. We, I mean, made, we were in the playoffs last year. Got a great young team, and we just picked up a great relief pitcher. So, I'm yeah, I saw that. that. I was really disappointed to to see that. Actually, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're in Chicago. Uh, you work with your brother. You've planted this church, and you have how many sites right now? Uh, we have twelve locations. Um, Nine of them are like church locations. Three of them are in local uh, prison facilities. Okay. And then um, we're also, uh, during COVID, we're piloting what we're calling our microsites. And uh, there's six of those that we got in the beta right now. Three in English, three in Spanish, uh, five in Chicago, and one in Mexico City. And we're, we're trying to figure that out. Why Mexico City? What's the connection there? Um, there's a couple there that used to be a part of our church that love community Okay, and they were going to plant a church and they were getting ready to plant it during COVID. And they were, and then we, they heard that we were doing what we're calling three C communities, these microsites. And they're like, Hey, we would love to get in on that. I mean, since everything, all the train, everything happens online. We're like, yeah, let's make it happen. Okay. So for our listeners who aren't aware of what a microsite is, because I think some of our listeners are are really interested in our idea of planning churches, but they think I'm not leaving my job to go plant a church, but a microsite could be something they could help facilitate. Uh, explain that a little bit and what that looks like. Yeah. These are, these are folks that are in our church uh, that have real jobs, unlike me and you. And uh, we encourage them to think about, Hey, what if you were to start an expression of the church where you live, where you work, or where you play? And, um, and that's what they're, they're beginning to do. So what would that expression look like? What would they do? It would be, it'd be just, it, normally it'd be a lot, I mean, we leave a lot of creativity, but normally it'd be a lot smaller. Uh, so they might, maybe it'd be, you know, it could be 35 or 40 people and it might be made up of, you know, three small groups and then they get together 
to celebrate, but they still have their small groups where they get together uh, for a community, but also to be on mission together. Wow. That's, that's so good. And I, I would assume since it's because of where you live, where you work, where you play, it's not contingent on meeting together on Sunday morning. No, you could do this uh, during the week in the office, in the neighborhood, at the gym. I would assume you watch some element of the service. You have some elements of connection with each other and those kind of things. So all the, you know, like, like at real life, all the great creative content that we have at community, we make available to them to use for a, you know, for a celebration service, for worship service. And then also same with the training. Um, but uh, it's just, a, it's just, it's just much smaller and it's uh, it, well, you're probably, you, you know this. I mean, this is something maybe for your listeners who don't, this is an expression of the church that we've seen in the East, particularly, I mean, we're getting some coaching from a woman named uh, B3 in Uganda. We're getting some coaching from a guy named Albert Tennyson in India, where they've been doing these, I mean, and, and rapidly multiplying in that part of the world. And that's been happening for years over there. And so we're just wondering, like, okay, maybe this is a window of opportunity now post-COVID for a couple of reasons, that now God's going to allow us to be able to do the same kind of thing here in the West that we've seen the church do in the East for uh, numbers of years now. Yeah, they've been crushing it over there. And I always tell people here, if <clears throat> I know we're all scared of losing our religious freedom. We're all scared of not being able to meet indoors again. And I would hate that. But on the other side of the planet, it's working pretty well for them. Yeah. Well, actually, I mean, yeah, the church has always thrived better, actually, under persecution. Right. So, I guess I'm not asking for it, but. You know, I'm not signing up for that right now, but it may happen. Okay, so um, you also lead a great organization, Exponential, uh, which helps churches kind of reach that uh, that next level. Talk to us uh, about the five levels of churches. We have a lot of church planners that listen, and I'm sure are very aware of Exponential, but just walk us through those five levels. And even for our, uh, you know, bivocational leaders and leaders in the church that kind of have a one understanding of the church, meaning the church they attend, it's bigger than that. And how do they reach that level? Yeah, we uh, exponential. And if your listeners want to check it out, exponential.org. Um, and it, primarily, it, it shows up as a conference. We do one down in Orlando every year when there's not a pandemic. <laughs> and uh, right. then we also do regionals in most of the major cities across the country. And we also have done some roundtables. So it is that's how it gets expressed. But what we actually talk about, it, we say it's really a community with a cause. It's a community with a cause. And our cause is to help churches multiply. How do we do that? And probably about five years ago, um, we began to put into place a framework that's based on some research that basically all churches can be put into uh, five different levels, like you referred to. So level one are churches that are in decline. that are seeing less people on mission with Jesus this year than last year. Level two would be plateaued. Say so maybe went up a little, down a little. Basically, it's about the same as last year. Level three, then, are growing churches, where now if you're at a graph, you start to see the trend up into the right just a little bit. And um, all churches fall into one of those three. They're either declining, plateauing, or growing. But where Exponential is really interested is how do we then take those churches and help them become level four or level five churches? Hmm. And level four churches are churches that are reproducing. Uh, any church has ever started a brand new site or planted a brand new church of any kind. That would be a level four church. And then level five are what we call movement or multiplying churches, 
which are really movement-making churches. Mm-hmm. And those are churches that have really grabbed a hold of that, you know, Acts 1-8 vision of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth, and are thinking in terms of like 2 Timothy 2-2 of four generations of multiplication in regards to church planning. And uh, our hope and our uh, our prayer is we would, uh, we would love to see more than 10% of all churches in the U.S. move to be in level four, level five churches. Mm-hmm. And... Um, because we feel like if we can get to 10% or beyond, that's almost like a tipping point that really could change what's happening in, uh, you know, in the United States and in North America. And uh, over the last five years, we we're really excited because we've actually have seen that needle move from uh, 4% to 5% to 6% and now 7%. Mm. So, um, and every, every one of those percentage points is huge numbers of churches that are starting to reproduce or multiply. So we want to we want to really move that needle. Okay, I'm totally buying what you're selling, and I I totally agree with you and and believe it. But for our listeners who maybe just you know they're they're dealing with their own job and kids and life and all of that, I want to give you 60 seconds to light a fire for them for church planting, church uh, you know exponential growth, that kind of thing. Why does this matter so much that we keep starting new churches? Because I know some people are in areas where they think we got plenty of churches here. Why do we have to keep creating more of these things? Yeah. Um, Quick 60 second. Um, Jesus' vision for the church was never a place for you just to outsource your spirituality, for you to go get good teaching, for you to have your kids get plugged into something so, you know, they don't do drugs or have sex before they should. And all those things are important, but his vision for the church was that it would be a movement. That's, I mean, that's the whole Acts 1-8 thing. It would be a movement. And this movement was going to be the thing that was going to transform the world. And if you're looking at your world right now and going like, you know what? This does not look like Jesus. It's because, in, to some degree anyway, the church has not embraced this idea of movement. And so it's not good enough for us just to be a disciple. But as Jesus said, no, what you're supposed to do is you're going to go and make disciples. So you multiply these disciples. And the outworking of multiplying disciples is multiplying churches, and that creates movement and that changes the world. So that's why it's so important. Uh, asterisk to this, you say, ah, oh, we got too many churches already. Listen, churches have a life cycle. Hmm. All the churches we have in the New Testament, right? They're not around anymore. Right. They're born. And the sad thing is, as great a church as real life church is, and I celebrate that, someday it's going to be gone. Right. What's going to live behind, okay, like for all of us that are living organisms, is the next generation. Mm-hmm. And I, think, I mean, I don't know. How many kids you got, Rusty? Two. Two, right. Okay. And no grandkids, right? No. Okay. No. So, but I think the older we get, the more we realize, you know what? I don't think I'm going to live forever. But what I want, do want to do is I want to make sure that the next generation, that I invest in them and make it better than, than what I had. And that's what Church Planet is. It's that realization, hey, we're not going to be around forever. we got to be thinking about the next generation, next generation. That's great. Well, that's a perfect segue into your latest book, which I'm so thankful for. At the time we're airing this podcast, we are launching into this series uh, with our churches. Uh, and it's simply titled BLESS, but it's an acronym, B-L-E-S-S, and it really does define how to, and this is the phrase that scares most Christians, how to disciple someone, because we think there's no way I can do that. I don't know near enough. And then the other phrases are evangelize someone, which really makes people quake in their boots. 
but this is more of the, hey, you've discovered the abundant life in Jesus, and you'd sure like your friends to know about it. You'd sure like your family members to know about it, your coworkers, or you've just got this um, this passion to fulfill the words of Jesus. So how do you do that? And this is usually where most Christians just stop because of one of two things. One, they don't know any non-Christians anymore because they've been so entrenched in the church. Or two, they um, they don't know what to say. And this book is so, so helpful. So would you just walk us through um, where this book came from? Kind of what was the genesis for this in your mind? You live it, but what made you think, boy, our people need to have this in writing? Hey, we're going to take a brief pause from our conversation today to talk about this very exciting thing that's coming up. And sometime this month, we will hit 1 million downloads of the podcast. I cannot say thank you enough to you for doing this. It's because you subscribe and you share and you listen that we're able to keep doing this. And it is so fun for me to be able to be a part of your life. And we want to celebrate. And so as we hit our 1 millionth download, we're going to give out several different gift baskets that are filled with Starbucks cards, a leading simple mug, and signed copies of all my books and some other goodies as well. All you got to do to be part of the raffle for those gifts is go to PastorRustyGeorge.com to register. Just go to PastorRustyGeorge.com, sign up there for the millionth download giveaway, and we would love to put you in that, that raffle to possibly get that great gift that we're sending out. We're sending out several, so the chances are good. Make sure that you sign up for that today. Okay, thanks again. Back to our show. But what made you think, boy, our people need to have this in writing? Uh, I think probably as a young person who, um, yeah, I mean, I was fired up about the transforming power of God's grace. I mean, when you really get that, that God loves you just as you are, not as you should be, Mm. you know, no matter what, that relentless love. I mean, when you find out that that's available, I mean, that's something you get excited about sharing with other people. And I think I was totally fired up about it. And, and so I assumed that if I just tell everybody, then that that's, that's the best way to do it. And, and I could, I could go through a list of things. I mean, Oh, I mean, in college, I started something. It's, it's embarrassing to even say now I started something in college actually called the soul winners club, <laughs> which, you know, as if people are disembodied souls, but um, I guilt tripped all the faculty into doing it. And so all of us, I mean, I guilt tripped everybody into kind of going out and basically kind of just going door to door, sharing their faith, cold Turkey. Mm. And, you know, no, it didn't, nobody, nobody became a Christian. Um, it created a lot of awkward conversations and it was just, you know, it was tough stuff. And so I, there was there was an effort and, and a lot of different attempts I made to really kind of figure out, okay, how do I do this with my words? And then I kind of fold swung went the other way. And this is probably early in my as we were planting the church that well, I'm just gonna live mm. life and people will notice. Yeah. And I think people thought I was a good guy and they liked having me for a neighbor, but they didn't I don't think they there was never any conversations about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And one of one of the big there were, there were a couple of transitional things, but one of the, one of the things that was a real aha for me, a guy sent me his doctoral dissertation. I don't know if I ever told you this. Um, his doctoral dissertation was called Blessers versus Converters. Hmm. And basically, they, uh, they did a, uh, 
like a case study where they sent two teams of missionaries to Thailand. And one team went just to um, try to convert people. That was their goal. We're going to try to convert people. The other team went and said, we're just going to go. Wherever we go, we're just going to bless people, whoever God brings our way. They followed these teams for two years. At the end of two years, the converters had seen two people come to faith and say yes to Jesus. Wow. Blessers, though, on the other hand, there were actually two outcomes. One was they noticed that there was they, that they created a lot of social capital, uh, a lot of goodwill in that community. But then the second thing is they actually saw 100 people huh. come to faith just by being a blessing. Wow. And, and the conclusion that I couldn't help but take away is like, okay, so the best way to help someone in our language, we talk about this way at community, to help someone find their way back to God, to help them find and follow Jesus is just by being a blessing. And um, that kind of led us really to the life of Jesus. And we began to look at the life of Jesus. And it wasn't something that he added to his life, but it was kind of like it was, it was, it was, there were certain just practices, rhythms that he had throughout his life that, that made the biggest difference. And so we, we figured out a way, okay, how do we grab a hold of five of those, what we call the top five practices of every, that he used every day. And then we put them into this acrostic, bless, which just was a great handle mm. so that everybody can remember it and begin to do it uh, every day. Well, walk us through that. Give us these five things that we're all supposed to do and uh, just some of the practical ways. That's what I love about the book. It's not just conceptual or theoretical or full of ought, should, and must, but rather it's there's some really practical ways to do this, uh, some great charts, which I love, um, and, and information. So walk us through these things. Sure. Um, the B actually starts with, and this is a little bit of a stretch, but begin with prayer. I love it. And four set acrostic. That's the preacher in you. <laughs> the others work so well. We just had to figure out a way to make that happen. And uh, and we used to look at the life of Jesus. I mean, that's how he began his ministry, right? First thing he did is it was with prayer. And so we we challenge people like prayer is both how you do the mission, so that counts, and it's also how you discover the mission. Hmm. Uh, your mission. So, for example, um, you know. Like here's, you know, here's my journal from this morning. And at the bottom here, I always write, um, there's the camera. I always write the word bless. And then I'll, I got like six neighbors that I'm praying for here. And, um, it might be a prayer walk in your neighborhood. I mean, um, maybe it's as you're taking in the news, you're praying for your community, whatever, but you begin with prayer. That's the first, the first one. Uh, L stands for listen. I am absolutely convinced that um, Christians at this point in time are we're more known for our talking. Mm-hmm. Let me straighten you out. Let me tell you a thing or two um, than we are for our listening. And um, I think listening and leaning in like that might be the greatest demonstration of love that we could show somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. A couple things. Jesus was asked, I think, if you go through the Gospels, like 183 questions. And he only answers a couple of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of the time, I mean, he's the one asking the questions. He's the one who's listening. Even even before he heals somebody, he goes like, hey, you, would you like to be healed? Do you want to be, you know, so he gives them dignity in that way. Mm. Uh, you might find this interesting. Barna, Barna did some homework on this, the Barna Research Group. Mm-hmm. They went out and they asked folks who were not Christians. They said, 
um, what qualities would you look for in somebody that you would have a spiritual conversation? Are you just, no, they said discuss spiritual matters. What qualities would you look for in a person who discuss spiritual matters? And the number one qualities they said they were looking for is somebody who would listen without judgment. Wow. And I, I, I mean, I'm, this is my own confession. I think I felt like I had to, this sounds bad. I had to convert somebody that that's where I, like, it's up to me. I got to convert. And I think somewhere along the way, maybe it's the Bible uh, convinced me. No, nope, that's the Holy Spirit's job. The Holy Spirit's got that job and you can't have it. Yeah. So you love people. You bless them by list by beginning with prayer and listen, and we'll take it from there. Um, if I could interrupt you for a second. Yeah. I, I think you just, man, you just tapped onto something that is so big. I think for a lot of us, and I think, and I think about my own personal journey where I grew up in a church where I really believe our, our church thought we were the only ones going to heaven, not just our version of our denomination, but just our church. And we were pretty happy with no one else joining. Um, so I didn't really know a lot of, of unchurched people. And then I go to Bible college and, you know, that's kind of a mixed bag of unchurched people. And then, uh, I, I get into ministry and I don't know any unchurched people and, so when I would try to, for lack of a better term, convert somebody, it really wasn't out of my compassion for them. It was about this spiritual guilt that I had that if I don't, then God is going to stop loving me, which gets all the way back to this, the grace of God thing that you just mentioned. And don't you think for a lot of us, if we really became overwhelmed with the grace of God, we'd not only have more of a, of a, desire to share that with somebody, we'd have a lot more compassion for people and probably listen a lot better, don't you think? Yeah, I think that's well said. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just, I think in my own life, a lot of it was really about, more about me than it was about that person. And, you know, I I, I think the way we kind of disguise that is we we say what we need to say. And I think social media has allowed a lot of people to share their faith and then go to bed at night feeling like, well, I did what I was supposed to do. Now, right. the word of the Lord won't return void, so it's on him now, when really there's no relationship to begin with. So, okay. Uh, I think you're right. I mean, and, and and I don't know if our personalities are enough the same, but I have a hunch we're similar in some ways, too. So you, you have that, which I totally relate to. And then on top of that, someone who wants to be successful or slightly type A, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like, well, if I'm successful, then I'm converting people, so I better figure out a way to make this happen. Right. Right. Seal the deal. Right. Absolutely. Um, okay. So we, we begin with prayer. We we listen. Give us E. Yeah. E stands. Everybody, everybody's going to love this one. Um, this is eat. Okay. And one of the things I love about these practices, um, again, they don't require you to add anything to your life. It's just a different way of living your life. You're already doing these things. Okay. Hopefully. Um, but we're just going to do them differently. And so like most folks, I mean, you eat three times a day, 21 times a week. And we, in the book, we challenge us, Hey, take a look at your calendar. Is there a way you can include, you know, a neighbor or a friend, you know, once a week, twice a week, and maybe it's not even a meal, maybe it's coffee, maybe it's dessert sometime. And there's, there is something that qualitatively I think changes when you just kind of share food with people. There's, it's like a, Social laxative or something. I don't know if that's okay. <laughs> that's kind of gross. Uh, but it just kind of, you kind of, you know what I mean? Because if you got something to drink or you got something to eat, it, it gives you something to do with your hands and your mouth in between, by, in between 
uh, conversation. Uh, and I mean, you know, like when you're dating too, I mean, one of the first things you do if you're really interested in somebody, hey, you want to want to want to want to grab lunch? Hey, would you, would you like to go to dinner? Because it's it's a it's an invitation to to a deeper level of relationship. And um, so yeah, I mean, eating uh, hospitality is a, is a big I think a big part of what we're going to discover in these five practices. Mm. The next the next uh, letter is S in the acrostic. The first S stands for serve. Here's what I found over and over and over again. And I promise you, I promise you, I promise. Anybody who's listening, if you try it, here's what will happen. If you pray for somebody and you listen to them, you get to know them, so you're listening to them, you're hearing their story, where they come from, some of the things going on in their life, and then you develop the place where you actually eat with them, okay? Maybe you go out to eat, maybe have them over their place. Better yet, have them try to be such a good friend, they invite you to their place. Right. But if you start sharing meals, I'm telling you, they will tell you how to serve them. Mm -hmm. You'll find out what's going on in their life the places where they're struggling, the places where they're hurting, the places where they could, they could use a hand. And that's when you begin to serve them. Mm. And, and, and you can, you can feel the momentum of this too. Cause now, I mean, this person's, this is like a remedial course in how to be a friend. Right. And once you do those things too, now all of a sudden <clears throat> they're going to start noticing, you know, not that you're perfect by any stretch, but there is, there, there's something that there's something you have that, that, that they want. And when they start asking you about spiritual things, then you get to share your story. And at that point, see, if I were to share, if you share your story before at the very beginning, there's no relational, I call it paying the relational rent. You haven't paid the relational rent. Right. But if you do all these other things, you begin with prayer, you listen, eat, serve them. And then they ask you and, you know, you're at breakfast with them and, and you start telling them there's nothing more powerful than somebody's story that you really love. I mean, if you're looking for a, a good restaurant and your friend goes like, Oh, you got to check out this place or you need a mechanic. They go, Oh, you know what? Here's the mechanic you need to go to. I guarantee great deal. That's all you need is a friend's recommendation. Yep. And that's what we're talking about here. And that's, and really that's who Jesus was. I mean, he even had the nickname friends, a, a friend of sinners. And that's what we're kind of like, Oh, here's how you can become, you know, a friend. So as you're working with churches that are doing this uh, bless program for lack of a better term, you know, what's your encouragement for them? Um, you know, how do you encourage people who start with this, first of all, to follow through, to not give up, um, you know, just what are some little, uh, bits of encouragement or tricks that you've learned along the way, just to keep your spiritual momentum, uh, up with this? Yeah. Great question. Well, al along with those five practices, we ask people to make two commitments. And the first commitment is do one of these every day. And again, if you pray for somebody, that counts. Okay, kind of back to, you know, your the Christian guilt. If you just pray and if you just pray, for, that counts. I mean, 100% that counts. So do one of these every day. And then the second thing, we have a real high value community and being in a small group. And I think you guys share the same thing. Mm -hmm. So in your small group, begin your group by just going, who did you bless this week? Who'd you get a chance to bless this week? And you can talk about who you prayed for. Did you get a chance to listen to somebody? Did you share a meal? Did you serve? Did you share any of the, any of those are count. It's just kind of because this is who we are as a group. We're also on mission. Mm. Who'd you, and um, one of the things we did in the book too, is we actually <clears throat> put together a, uh, uh, just kind of a blessed covenant. So that as you read the book and you get towards the end, you go like, you know what? 
this is who I want to be. I want to be this kind of a person on behalf of the rest of the world and my friends and neighbors. You can sign that. You have someone else sign it. A whole small group, you can sign that together. And you begin to do those practices and make those two commitments. Hmm. That's a game changer. That's so fantastic. Okay, so for all of our church leaders out there that think, well, I'm interested in that. Where do I get more information on that? Give us the, the details. Yeah, you can go to uh, www.bless-book.org, bless-book.org, or if you go to daveferguson.org, um, either place. And, uh, and of course, it's on Amazon. Yeah, well, that's great. And I know if they go through you, don't they get some kind of a bundle deal or a discount or those kind of things? I'll tell you what, anybody who's listening to the podcast, I'll, I'll tell you what, and I don't know if you have anything with like uh, podcast notes and stuff, but here's my email address even. My email address is daveferguson at communitychristian.org. daveferguson at communitychristian.org. And uh, yeah, we got a couple different things. If uh, if they sent me an email, we have a we have a blessed series. We could even send them if they want to teach that series. And uh, it's I think our Big ID Resources website sells it for like 180 bucks. But we'll give them that, and it's like the whole deal. Um, it'll help them do that. Um, I got some other stuff too, training videos, um, whatever they need. We'll, we'll set them up and help them out. Thank you so much. Dave, you're a blessing to so many people and so many pastors, so many churches. And thank you for doing that for us today and being on the podcast. This was a, a real treat. Well, thank you. Thank you very, very much. And uh, praying a great, great year for you, except for your White Sox. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening. As always, please subscribe and make sure that you have this content delivered to you every single week that it comes out and share it with a friend. That would just mean the world to me. Love to hear from you. You can DM me on Instagram at RustyLGeorge or email me at rgeorge at reallifechurch.org. Take a moment and subscribe to the podcast so you get it delivered every week. And subscribe to the Rusty George YouTube channel for more devotionals, messages, and fun videos. Thank you for listening to Leading Simple. Learn.